Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 70, what you need to start teaching swimming. That's right, today we are looking at what you need to do to start teaching swim lessons for your own program. This comes out of a question from John from the UK, where he asked me very generally, what do I need to do to begin? He had bought our swimming lesson idea plans and guides and was confused on what the next step is. Let's take a look and see how we can do that for your program. Let's get started. That's right. Today we are talking about what you need to start teaching swimming. We're going to take a very basic look at the things that you should do before you start teaching or creating a swim lesson program on your own. Now this is applicable to people who are beginning with doing a private lesson program who maybe are running it out of their house. Uh, it is. Uh, it works for people that maybe are working at a community pool and have access to it and can sell their services during open swim. Um, it also works for people who are looking to begin or start an established um, program or to establish a program like beginning lessons at a park district. So there are places that do not have swim lessons and you can take this podcast as a general guidepost on what you need to do before you begin teaching, before you even do your first hire. Um, this comes, like I said, out of a com an email conversation I had with John from the UK. He bought our digital lesson plans and skill sheets and was confused on what the next step was. Uh, he very generally asked me, you know, what do I do next? Where do I find more information on how to actually implement these lesson plans? What do I need to do? And at first, um, I wasn't clear on how I should react. Now, typically, I've always assumed that if someone was going to start teaching their own program uh, or do what I do, which is run a program and teach lessons, then they would have some experience with teaching already. But they would have maybe uh, taught at their community high school or their community pool when they were in high school. Maybe they... Um, were apprenticed to someone else and they had an opportunity to learn from someone. Maybe they had done it before um, and then were striking off on their own. I hadn't considered that there'd be someone that knew how to swim, was a good teacher, presumably, and wanted to begin leveraging something that they were skillful at, like teaching. And I didn't have in place, and we don't have in place, a specific guide on how to start your program from scratch. And it made me think, and I'm thinking, you know, this is actually probably a pretty good thing that we should have in place. Um, I've put together two less, two swim programs from scratch um, that I run. Um, I've helped other people do it as well, but never 
put it into a step-by-step guide for a beginner to follow. And it occurs to me that I should do that. So this podcast episode is an attempt to start that process and to give you a uh, quick, relatively easy way uh, to start working on things. Maybe like a, a directional sign that says, go this way if you want to start teaching swim lessons. Um, and we're going to go through some basic essentials that you need to have in place before you even let someone into your, your pool, before you start teaching at all. Um, my first instinct, um, so I still wanted to help John, right? So I wanted to give him some resources to help him. And they're all kind of there in different pieces, but not in one comprehensive, complete place, which let's be honest, if you're going to be buying something, you want it all connected and in one place. So the first thing I did for John was I recommended the swim instructor training workbook that you can get on Amazon. Now, this is a workbook that has uh, quizzes inside of it. There are three quizzes, um, which help you get better at learning the skills, the 15 essential swim skills from going underwater to flip turns. It's kind of the info dump of swimming. If you don't know the basic terminology for swimming, you can't teach it. Uh, So this guidebook, this training workbook, which I need to be fleshing out into a more comprehensive guide, um, has those 15 essential skills. Uh, And that's a good beginning place, but it doesn't really answer the question what do I do next? You know, it's more of a, here's information you need to know, and here's a good way to get it. There are pictures, there's descriptions, there's examples, um, but it's not a comprehensive resource yet. So that wasn't going to work entirely. Then I thought, you know, there are a lot of articles on swimminglessonsideas.com. You know, I've been posting articles and blogging there for six years now. There's tons of information, but it's mostly geared to people that already have established programs. It's mostly aimed at park district and aquatic professionals that have programs in place already that want to get better, that have constant staff turnover because of the people that they hire, high school kids, college kids, that have um, difficulties with retention, keeping high-quality staff on board. Um, It's aimed at programs like Goldfish and Big Blue and other schools uh, for private swim lesson programs so they can have more effective swimming lessons, uh, so they can craft their language um, in a better way, so they can play games and use our website as a reference for those games. Um, But it's not totally clear in, in in those blog posts how to start your own lesson and what you should do and focus on. There are some really great articles in the swim lesson guide category, which I've linked in the show notes. There are some awesome uh, guides in the swim lesson plans, how to write swim lesson plans, um, how to use them, what you should consider when you're even designing a lesson plan and what it should include. Uh, So if you want to do it yourself, And then there's the resource page, which has what I feel and what most traffic goes to is 
what, how do you handle someone that's crying? You know, it's one of those essential things. And I read that article today. I'm like, yep, this is, this is all true. Um, it has links to the essential games that you should be playing. Um, how to get kids to go underwater. Um, you know, th- there are all these divert, like, there's a lot of different posts on the website, but there's not one single post that will help a beginner who doesn't really know much about swimming start their own program. Um, because I didn't know that existed, but it does. And I think it's a good opportunity to talk about here because it'll give us more um, an insight into what we're doing already. And maybe maybe we've forgotten some of these things. And maybe I've forgotten that. So uh, as you're listening here, take note of what I'm suggesting that someone who's beginning to teach swim lessons should have in place. And I'm going to make sure that it's it's broad enough to apply to like a park district who doesn't have a swim swimming program that wants to start one, as well as a individual or a group of people that want to start their own swim lesson program and are either buying an endless pool like the swim box or franchising um, or uh, they are using their own backyard pool and they're teaching swim lessons like Teresa from Arizona. Here are some things that you need to have in place. So uh, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to call these the essentials to teaching swim lessons. And uh, before you begin, you need to have pool or a water to teach out of. So maybe you have access to a beachfront. Um, I still am convinced that you can teach swim lessons at open water. Um, I'd like to hear from someone that does, um, but I'm pretty sure it's doable. Uh, and I want to talk to someone that does it. So if you're interested, send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. But you need a pool. You need something to teach out of. Now, I'm very interested in the endless pools, and which are uh, the rectangle, rectangular pools, about 10 feet by 16 or 14 feet. You can get larger models. And they have a current that you can turn on and off that you swim against, but you swim in place. So it's a relatively small area. There's not that much water involved with it. It has a heater. Uh, you, according to Dominic Latella from the swim box, uh, the best option is to use liquid, liquid chlorine. So you pour in a little bit in the morning, you do your activities during the day and you pour a little bit in, in the afternoon and you're good to go. Um, so the swim box, like that's what they use at the swim box. They have two locations, uh, now at this point and they have two pools. So, uh, and I think you can get these starting at eight to $9,000, uh, which is an investment, but, uh, to have your own business and program, that's not terribly too much, um, probably requires a loan of some type to begin. Or if you've worked up to that amount in savings, uh, I would suggest that that's really if feasible, the better option because they are relatively mobile. Um, they're not as cost intensive as digging a hole in your backyard and pouring concrete for a pool. Um, if you already have that in place, fantastic. Uh, you can use that. Uh, there are people that go to community like, um, condos or apartment complexes that have public pools that they rent out. There are people that rent out, uh, Hotel pools, which is a really good way of using that space that's often unused during the day. 
Um, so find some place to teach. Uh, that's number one. You need to be able to teach somewhere. Have access to water. Uh, number two, you got to get liability insurance. Hopefully, and safety. I don't, I don't talk about safety that much because for us, it's a priority. Uh, it's just ingrained into our program. We have lifeguards. We have people like pool watchers. Um, everyone that is employed as a lifeguard, if they teach swim lessons and private lessons, um, we keep up with our training. We do weekly training sessions. So, um, our safety is, is just inherent into our program. So I don't go a lot into it because we're more talking about the swimming and learning aspect of it, but you need to have liability insurance. And that's, if something horrible happens, then you're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose your income for the rest of your life, you're going to have coverage. So you need to have liability insurance. And that's that's in case something bad happens. And, and maybe it's just someone that slips on the deck or in your backyard and they hurt themselves. You don't want them to sue you and take your house because they weren't watching where they were walking. And, you know, maybe you had a crack in the ground and they stubbed their toe on it. You know, who knows? You want to cover yourself. So you need liability insurance. In, in tandem with that, I suggest you start an LLC or a sole proprietorship or some sort of legal entity that separates you, the person, from the activity that you're doing. So there's some, an extra layer of liability there. Um, you need a bank account. So, so I hope uh, at some you have your own business bank account or access to a separate bank account. Um, this way you can keep your finances separate. So when you have to do your taxes, that's very easy to do. Um, I suggest that you, these are essentials for before you start. So a pool, liability insurance, a bank account specific to your swim lesson program, uh, a website with a way to register or a phone number dedicated to your your business, your swim lessons, um, or software that allows you to schedule um, that shows when you're available and uh, make it clear. Okay. So I'm sorry, I'm going to the next one. Uh, I suggest you have a website because we're in 2018. The first thing I do when I look for something is I go online and I search for it. Um, even when I'm at the store, I will, like if I'm at Best Buy or if I'm at some other store and I'm, you know, if I'm looking for a GoPro to take videos of our swimmers so I can share it with you on here. Um, I'm going to go to Amazon while I'm in the store and see, oh, well, maybe I can get it on Amazon for cheaper or eBay or whatever the case is. Um, the same thing with like a new restaurant. I, you know, I might see it. I'm going to look at the reviews. Um, I'm going to go to their website if they have one to look at the menu. You need a website. You can get one relatively inexpensively. You can do Squarespace, um, Shopify. I mean, there's so many different options out there that are relatively easy to set up or you can pay someone $50 to do it for you. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be intense. It simply has to have your name, what you're doing, your location, how to register, uh, basically what we're going through today. So you do need a website. Uh, there's no getting around it. I, I really suggest you need to get a website. Um, so a pool, liability insurance, a bank account, a website, um, and then you need to know when you're going to be available. So define the days and the times that you are going to be committed to teaching your swim lessons. And I suggest that you make this as clear 
and as strictly defined as possible. My suggestion would be I'm available on Mondays through Thursdays between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. and 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. And then on Saturday mornings from 8 to noon. You know, those are your set days. Those are your set times. And I suggest that you do this because uh, if you just leave it open, like, oh, I can teach anytime, like, just let me know. You're going to stretch yourself very thin and you're not going to have the longevity that you want to create a long lasting successful program. So uh, make sure you define times that work both for you and any potential staff that you're going to have in the future and your pool and your clients. So uh, the times I chose were weekday mornings for people that uh, have younger kids and don't necessarily work and afternoon times for people that do work that want lessons for their kids or themselves and then a weekend day. Um, I suggest that you pick one of the weekends, um, not both, because you're going to get burned out pretty quickly. And when you do want a weekend off, which is going to happen, it's easier to take off one day than two days. Um, This is my suggestion, um, but your uh, iteration of this or your implementation of this will vary. Um, I suggest right off the bat, though, that you stick to something very clear with clear boundaries so you're not... um, overwhelming yourself by being over accommodating to people who may ask for a day. They'll be like, Oh, well, can you do Sunday? Cause that works for us. But then you start accommodating that and then they start switching their days around and all of a sudden you're spread out for a half hour every other hour during the week and you don't have an actual schedule. So you want to be teaching, you know, from nine to 10 or nine to noon nonstop. You don't want to teach one lesson at nine o'clock and one lesson at noon, if possible. So clear boundaries and setting up yourself as a clear schedule in advance is a good way to ensure that you have good lessons, um, like scheduled lessons well for your safety as well as um, the people around you. Um, Okay, so after you've set your schedule, um, you want to set your lesson duration. So how long are your lessons going to be? Um, most people do 30 minutes. Uh, that's pretty much the standard around. Uh, we've extended our lessons to 45 minutes for our group lessons. Our private lessons are still 30 minutes. Um, I think 45 minutes is great for a group lesson. It gets really difficult for 45 minutes. Um, There are some group lessons that we have that we split off into smaller groups, so two kids or three, sometimes one kid if someone doesn't show up. It gets hard. Um, 45 minutes is awesome. I I, I highly recommend it for any group lesson that you do. You can charge a little bit more. Um, I think our lessons are $20 for a 45-minute group lesson, uh, something around there. And for your private lessons, you're going to want to go at least – 25, maybe up to 45 or $50 for 40 minutes. Um, But yeah, set your duration. What are you comfortable with? If you're going to do 30 minutes, you cannot. I'm sorry, this just doesn't work. And if you disagree with me, I want you to comment on this post. Send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Or comment on Twitter or Facebook at Swimming Ideas. If you disagree with this, let me know. I want to hear from you. But I, I, I feel, 
I see this in my teaching and in years of working with people. You cannot have half-hour lessons on the hour and on the half-hour. It doesn't work. You're going to have to go to the bathroom. That's a five-minute break. You're going to have to talk to the parents. That's a five-minute to ten-minute break. You're going to have to get new things, dry off, get something out of the water, talk. Someone's going to run over. Someone's going to show a plate. You're not ever going to be on time, and it's going to piss off your clients because they're not getting the full 30 minutes. So if you want to do 30-minute lessons, you cannot offer them at 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m., 11 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and 12 12 p.m. It doesn't work. Um, Someone's going to show up late. Fine. They show up late. You cut their their swim time by however long they were late. Eh, Not necessarily the best way to negotiate for keeping a good clientele. Um, Oh, but you're such a great swim instructor. Like, they should be there on time for you. Well, what if you're late? What if for some reason you're late? Do you then call all of your clients? Well, if you're late, you've already eaten into your swim, uh, the swim lesson time for your clients. They're used to being there on time. So they're going to expect the full 30 minutes. Then you have to push everybody back. What if they don't have time for that? I mean, it's a disaster if you have it back to back to back like this with no buffer. Um, you need to have, in my opinion, at least 10 minutes in between each lesson. Um, if you're going to, I suggest for 45 minutes because then you have a 15 minute break. Um, you can talk to parents. You can establish that rapport. People that come early, you can give them alternate activities. So you can do online stuff or have them play games and do things in preparation for their lesson. Um, you can talk to people before the lesson. You can go to the bathroom. Uh, you can get something to eat. You can check registration to make sure that they've paid for the lesson, that they have enough left in their tickets if you're doing like a, a bulk discount. Um you, you you need to have some buffer between your lessons. So when you're scheduling them and for your duration, if you're going to do 30 minutes, do not do them on the hour and on the half hour um, because you're not going to be able to stick to that routine and that schedule. Uh, just It's not going to happen. So I suggest at least a 10-minute buffer in between your two lessons. And maybe if you're only doing 30 minutes that may eat into your profits, you need to deal with that or up your fees because... You cannot do no break in between lessons. It will not work, and you're going to lead to frustrated, annoyed um, clients. Okay, Um, let's move on. So lesson duration, uh, lesson type. Are you going to offer group lessons, or are you going to offer private lessons? And are you going to charge the same? Uh, That's an important question. Private lessons, we typically charge a lot more uh, because you're they're doing it outside of our pre-scheduled times. And uh, I might get into that in a different podcast. Uh, group lessons, you're sharing the group with other kids or adults. So you're not by yourself. You're joining a preset time and day, and you're taking a lesson with whoever else happens to register at that time. So the cost is a little less because it's not that one-on-one attention and, and that scheduling flexibility that comes with private lessons. The next step is to... How are you going to do your scheduling? Are you going to do it by week, by day, or by session? So some people do every day for two weeks. Um, some people do once a week for five weeks. And that would be like a season or a session. Um, some people do like permanent tea times, like golf. So like every Tuesday at 10 a.m., which is similar to session, like every week. How are you going to set up your lessons? Are you going to do 
Monday through Thursday for two weeks or Monday through Wednesday for a week? Do people sign up by the week? You know, do they sign up for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How are you going to do that? And what works best for you? Generally, um, what we do in our program is we do by week. Um, We take a longer look at this because we want to have prolonged engagement. Now, of course, it's better to have more opportunities to practice swimming uh, more closely together. So without that seven-day gap between swims. It's not a reality in the community I work with. Uh, Most children that we're teaching swim, swim lessons to have uh, multiple activities on multiple days and they don't they're they just can't work into their schedule coming to swimming three days a week um, on the same time every day it's just not feasible for them so what we do for them instead is we say okay well we have monday lessons every monday you come to the swim lesson and the session is four to six weeks long so you have four mondays or six mondays depending on the the time of year so how, how are you going to set up your schedule? The next thing you need to look at, uh, so, so far to recap, we have you need a pool or someplace to teach, liability insurance, a bank account, a website. Figure out when you're available, when you're going to offer lessons. How long are those lessons going to be? What type of lessons are they going to be, group lessons or private lessons? How are you going to handle registration? So how are you going to schedule those lessons uh, by week? by day, by like season. So like every day for two weeks, or like that's a kind of a season. Uh, and then what is your level structure and what is your progression going to be? Now, this is an important thing because you need to have a clear understanding with how you're going to get from a beginner to however someone is done with your program. Like what's the next step? And it's entirely okay to be that swim lesson program that focuses on, I take five and over year olds. (laughs) I take five year olds and over that go underwater and I get them ready for swim team. Right. So that's a very valid niche, um, swim lesson program. That's very clear in their, in what they do and what they do. Well, I work with kids that can go underwater. They might not be able to teach, but they're comfortable in the water and they want to be on the swim team and I can get them there in Uh, a good amount of time depending on their personality and character. Uh, So that's an example of your lesson structure and your progression uh, or your level structure and progression. Now, Swimming Ideas makes this very easy. We have four levels. Um, You can see all the testable skills on our website. So if you go to swimminglessonsideas.com, click on blog, and then scroll down to the category side and click on levels. It's also in the resource page. You'll see levels one, two, three, and four. Each of them have their own entry. And inside it is a description of what that level is and why, what the essential skills for that level are, and what you need to do as a teacher to teach those skills and why we have those skills and what they're for and why we've chosen them. Now, our philosophy for swim lesson levels are to make them as easy and as clear as possible. Uh, real quick, level one, do you go underwater? Level two, do you glide and can you move your arms in some coordinated fashion? Level three, do you swim front crawl with breathing to the side? And level four, can you swim all four strokes? So that's kind of the, the ramping up 
of course, we're doing all these other skills inside those levels, but we're testing these essential skills. So how are you structuring your program to take a beginner to an advanced swimmer? What's the flow? What is the progression? Um, so for example, uh, we have the underwater and then glides and then arms and then breathing. So that's our progression. So we, we don't introduce breathing until much later on, um, until they have a good body position and posture and are comfortable manipulating their spine and their head. So what is your progression? What are you going to follow? What are you going to use to teach effective swim lessons? Uh, what kind of toys and props are you going to use? Are you going to use kickboards, barbells, uh, floaties? You know, what, what kind of stuff are you going to use? And then you got to have them there. Um, and then kind of uh, moving on to more general like administrative stuff. What is your policy on makeup lessons? Are you going to let people who miss a class come and get a free lesson? Or are you going to say, you know, too bad, so sad. You signed up for this time slot. And if you're not there for what you signed up for, you're going to lose the money that it cost. How are you going to handle people that need to cancel? Uh, and that's a, a touchy subject. And I think I've done a podcast on that. And there's a blog post on our website, too, where you can see information about that and kind of make your decision on that because it's it's very personal uh, and people have different opinions of it. So I go both ways. So I don't really care either way what you choose to offer it or to not. Um is there going to be a policy if there's outs, if there's rain? So inclement weather, um, are you going to, you know, how far in advance are you going to tell people what, what happens if you're halfway through a lesson and there's lightning and you have to get out? Does it, do they lose their money? I mean, what, what's going to happen here? So, uh, be aware of that. Uh, what is your cancellation policy? So what if you get sick and you can't teach, um, or your instructor doesn't show up and you know, you don't have anyone else to teach. How are you going to handle a situation in which, you, as the, the provider, has to cancel your lessons. Are you going to give them a refund? Do you charge them? Like, this is all kind of ties together with your makeup lesson. Um, so when people miss, also think about well, what happens when you miss. Um, okay, uh, during lessons, uh, let's kind of transition this to, so those are the things that I think that you should do before you even start teaching swim lessons, before you even begin. Let's take a look at what you should do while you're teaching swim lessons. and. Again, I suggest you plan this out in advance so you're not reacting to it during your lesson and making you look unprepared. Uh, consider these options before you even start teaching. All right, what are you going to do with the parents? Are they allowed on the deck? Are they allowed to talk to the kids during the lesson? Is there a waiting area for them? Are you going to give them stuff? Like um, Uber drivers will put like uh, um, water bottles in their cars for you to drink. I always think it's very weird. I'm never, I'm very skeptical of it. Like I'm already uncertain about taking an Uber or a Lyft, um, riding in some private person's car. And I don't know anything about them or if they even know how to drive other than the fact that they got there and some they've, uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's something to be said about regulation and taxis that ensure that the people driving it know what to do. And, but okay, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, but yeah, are you gonna are you gonna be like the Uber driver that puts out food and water for your parents to drink while they're waiting for their kid to swim? I mean, it might be a good idea. What are you gonna do with them? You have to consider what are the parents gonna do during that lesson. Um, what what type of language are you gonna use while you're teaching? Are you gonna follow scripts? I'm not saying like English or uh, Spanish or you know 
French, I'm saying what kind of words, which words are you going to use in what order to get your point across? So we have a front glide script, uh, shoulders in the water, arms out in front of you, push off to me. You know, do you have something like that during your lesson? Uh, what is your general skill focus going to be? Uh, this, this ties into your level structure uh, and your progression. Uh, but you need to know each day, okay, for this kid, we're going to be working on this. What's your skill focus going to be? Um, are you going to play games in your lessons? Is there a time and a place for it? Or are you going to be um, like a, a taskmaster that's that's always demanding we do the next learning thing? Um, how are you going to handle misbehaving kids? Uh, and what consequences are you going to put in place for it? If people are coming to your facility and you are kicking them out, not letting them participate, you're wasting that parent's money. You have to have a good reason for it. And I would suggest you have very clear guidelines on how to handle troubled or difficult children. Um, will you, you know, are you going to in, in, include the parents? Do you have someone on deck that's going to be able to handle it while you're working with other kids? I mean, how are you going to go with this? So that's something to consider. Um, what is your refund policy? So what if someone signs up for 10 lessons and they only use two and they want to quit and get their money back? Are you going to give it to them? If, if you're not, you have to be upfront with that and tell them there are no refunds. Or um, if you are, you have to have clear boundaries again on what your policy is going to be. So write that out and make it clear. Um, are you going to offer like a free trial or a trial period where maybe people come and observe? Uh, during lessons so they get an idea of what you're teaching and your facility is like? Um, or are you going to let them, you know, maybe not sign up for 10 lessons and only sign up for one or two? And if they like it, then they can do a 10, uh, 10 lesson pack. Um, where are the people going to park? So where are your clients going to park when they show up to your facility? Um, are they going to have to shower? Do you offer a shower for them so they can clean off? Uh, towels? What kind of swimsuits are they going to be required to wear? Uh, these are all things that you need to know for your program and your uh, employees and people and people that are teaching for you, as well as your clients that are coming to your facility to be taught. Um, I think this is enough for right now. Uh, it's quite a bit of information. There's a lot of stuff here. Um, I'm going to include this list in the show notes. So that'll be at swimminglessonsideas.com. Uh, if you click at the bottom of the page on the Swimming Ideas podcast, you'll see... Um, all the podcasts. It's also in the blog post as well. Uh, but these are things that you need to know uh, or have in mind before you start your program. Uh, and if you have things to add to this, I would love to hear from you. Or if you think that I'm wrong on some of these things, please let me know because uh, I want to hear from you as well. Uh, reach out, send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. You can connect, excuse me, you can connect with me on Twitter or Facebook at Swimming Ideas. Um, or, you know, just, um, so I mean, like, like I said, the best way is generally email. Uh, let me know, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Did you like this? Did you think that, uh, I missed something or did you disagree with me on something? I want to know if you disagree with me. Maybe you disagree with me on the 30 minute private lesson back to back schedule. And maybe you think you can handle 10 o'clock, 10 30, 11 o'clock, 11 30, 12 o'clock, 12 30, and so on and so on without issue or complaints. I'd love to hear from you and see how you manage that. Uh, let me know. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And when you start your lessons, congratulations. Uh, it's a great, rewarding journey. And tomorrow, we can teach better lessons together. Take care.